You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Hola from Barcelona. Uh, this is Vicky Colovo from Tech Talk Central, and I'm here and I'll be interviewing two gentlemen from Emerson Climate. Um, they will clarify the relation with AT&T because I'm not sure on that section. Uh, Mark Dunson, he's the president of the Retail Solutions of Emerson Climate, and Mobin Khan, he's AVP of Industrial IELT Solutions. And there, we're here to talk about uh, the connected kitchen. Uh, actually, it was, it was, it's an interesting topic, and being a woman, obviously, it interests me. But I, I understand that it's not only the kitchen we have at home. There's uh, restaurants out there, big kitchens, so hopefully they will talk about that too. So who would like to go first? Mark? Sure. Uh, thank you, Vicky. I just wanted to put a little context to the discussion. Uh, I'm a part of Emerson, which is a multinational industrial company. We have products and technologies in, in many different sectors. And my sector is mostly focused around uh, human comfort and preservation of food through air conditioning, refrigeration, and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And we approach that historically through a components-based business, but are more, moving more and more towards controls, both at the device level, at the facility level, and then uh, with work we're doing with AT&T in a connected level for remote-driven uh, business models to bring value to customers. Okay, so Mubin, would you like to introduce yourself also? Thank you, Vicky. Uh, my name is Mubin Khan. I'm uh, AVP of Industrial IoT Solutions at AT&T. So AT&T is a, the, one of the largest uh, communications carriers in the world. Um, we are, uh, our growth uh, in, is coming into, uh, leading us into connected everything, and we're mobilizing people, processes, and assets in enterprises. Um, part of what um, Mark just talked about, the connected kitchen, the connected air conditioner. Um, we are going out with companies that need to diagnose, uh, look at alarms, uh, deploy solutions, download software into things, and we're making that happen through our network and through our software technologies. So is this something new? At what stage are you now? Um, does this, uh, is it only services or will it include products? Just give me the whole picture, Mark. Sure. I think we've been at this for about 10 years, uh, starting first in supermarket business, where you obviously have a lot of uh, preserved foods or perishable foods. And we approached that by supplying building control systems to uh, supermarkets. And then we moved into a, a managed services business where we monitor alarms. Uh, if a refrigerated case is going out of spec, uh, we do other, other services in terms of refrigerant leaks and, and other things to protect the environment, uh, improve maintenance and operations cost, and then preserve food. We today monitor about 16,000 stores on four different continents. We have about uh, 2 million pieces of connected equipment today into our systems, and we're we are receiving about 30 million alarms per year. Uh, from those different pieces of connected equipment. So that, that's kind of the, the face which we bring into the discussion. And then we're starting to take that uh, approach to different uh, business sectors, one being restaurants or commercial kitchens. And that's where we started working with AT&T. Um, just give me, um, because, okay, America is huge. The numbers are vast. You did mention our numbers. But what percentage would you say right now is connected from supermarkets, from refrigerators, what kind of market is covered, and what are the potentials for Emerson to, to reach? Sure. I would say in the supermarket business, you could say in some form or fashion, almost all supermarkets are connected because it's a 
there's a lot at stake there in terms of the dollars and the perishable foods. If you start looking at convenience stores or the smaller shops and restaurants, that's yet to be sort of moving into that space because they didn't have, say, the large amount of inventory of, of perishable foods. And they have a little bit different considerations, too. A restaurant is kind of like a factory for food, if you will, mm -hmm. and they're really not as much concerned about energy as they are about machine uptime, mm -hmm. making sure when the, when the group of people comes in the restaurant at lunch that all the equipment's running properly so they can efficiently serve them with high-quality food uh, you know, that's been preserved well. So I think they're starting to benefit, realize the benefits of, of connectivity as we move into these different market segments. Uh, and supermarket is very compelling for a long time, and the other ones are becoming more compelling now with, with the different types of connectivity available. I'd say probably the other thing which differentiated a bit, if you think about supermarkets, they're typically in very large enterprises. Mm -hmm. And the connectivity in the past has really been from enterprise to enterprise. So Emerson connects to another enterprise normally through like a VPN link or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. So when you start moving to restaurants and other forms, it's much more fragmented. You don't have the IT support. You don't have these uh, you know, big networking and IT infrastructures to be able to do the connectivity. And that's where wireless really starts to, to come to play because. Yeah, that was actually, I'm sorry, it was going to be my question. I wanted you to be a little bit more practical. And how do you do it? Um, is it, do you collect the data and warn them, just send out a warning? Do they monitor, does a restaurant monitor, do you teach them how to monitor the whole system? Who would like to answer? Uh, I, I think it, it actually takes a number of different forms. For alarm monitoring, we, we do monitoring for customers. We can even dispatch uh, someone to take care of the problem if, if the customer wants that. So that's one form where a alert is pushed out mm -hmm. to our monitoring center. We receive it and process it. The other type of work we're doing, which is probably tying more into Internet of Things, is is we're taking data out of the stores into much more of a data store, if you will, mm -hmm. and running algorithms. That's not, a, say, a critical issue, but things which need attention because they're costing money for someone or, or there's a potential for a machine breakdown or something. And so it's moving a bit more in that direction. I would say our business has evolved from being much more of this alert-based, which is probably 75% of our business in the past, and it's moving much more rapidly into this algorithm-based uh, one, because of connectivity, and two, because there's, there's also new ways of storing and processing data, which are making this, uh, you know, you hear big data many yeah. times coupled with Internet of Things. Those different types of technologies are making this a bit more, uh, you know, workable and easy to deploy across more, more areas. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Mark tapped into it. The data, a huge amount and amazing stuff that you learn about people, how they act, and what are you doing with it, and what do you plan to do with it in the future? Let me take a step back. Uh, if you look at the communication industry, right, we started off connecting places, your home, your office, uh, uh, a phone booth, if you will. We moved into connecting people, which is our cell phones. You know, we could be mobile, we could be anywhere in the world, and we were connected. Now we're moving into the era when it's not just places, it's not just people, but it's things. Things around us, things inside our house, whether it's a refrigerator and dishwasher or in our office, uh, a, a, a light bulb on the street, um, a fire uh, hydrant, uh, and, and, and inside an enterprise in a restaurant, as Mark was talking about. So what, what, what's happening there is that the numbers multiply tremendously. You know, there's, for example, in the U.S., 350 million or so people. But if you look at how many things that can be connected, it's in the billions. 
So the, the, the opportunity is really vast. And to your point, a lot of data can be collected from this. Uh, as Mark alluded to it, a lot of the data is being collected as a very rudimentary application is uh, just alert. Mm -hmm. Something has happened and I need to go take an action. But if you start to collect a lot more data, you can become smarter. You can figure out how to predict things. If, if uh, a snowstorm hits, um, perhaps I need to do something special to my ovens or to my heavy equipment and tractors that are in the farm. Um, or I shouldn't use a certain piece of equipment if the temperature goes above because I know it's going to start a fire. So all of those kind of algorithms and predictions now can be done through collecting the data and analyzing the data. And so from an AT&T perspective, what we're doing is providing the tools as well as expertise to companies like Emerson so that they can manage that data in a, in a better way. And that includes three layers of things. It's obviously our connectivity, which is the core and the DNA of our business, but it's also things like cloud technologies, it's tools to develop solutions, author software, and then deploy and manage that software in a scalable, reliable way. So those are all the, the, the infrastructure pieces that we are offering companies and enterprises to go build these kind of solutions. Okay, so I'll, I'll sort of, uh, you will continue, Mark, but before we leave data, I want to ask a question, and I'm asking it because everybody talks about data, but I usually avoid it when it comes to security, privacy, and ethics. I obviously expect, uh, I'll be honest, from your company to have dealt with security. I can't imagine so, so huge companies not to. But what have you to say about privacy and about the ethics behind it? And I'm tempted to ask you that. Sure. And uh, because this is data, for example, that you could be selling to insurance companies. Sure. Will you be doing something like that? So um, from an AT&T perspective, um, we work with a lot of enterprise. And, and my, my job is mostly... <clears throat> excuse me, working with enterprises. Um, our role in working with enterprises, we are custodians of the data. We are not the users of the data. We only use the data on behalf of the customer. So our policy or in our agreements with a company like Emerson or any of our customers is that we, will, we are providing the secure infrastructure. We want to protect their data from the time that it's created to the time that it is received and then passed on to them. We want to make sure that the access to that data is very secure. Uh, and we want to make sure that that data stays private for Emerson. Now, in many cases, our customers ask us to share that data with others. So for example, if companies like Emerson are working with third-party dealers or warranty companies or insurance companies, as you said, and they want certain pieces of data to be shared then we would make that happen through our tools. Mm -hmm. But we only do that on behest of and in, in accordance with the policies that the customers set as opposed to AT&T doing that. So from an enterprise perspective, we have a very, very clear policy around that. It's two-faced if you think about it. It's, it's giving the raw data or doing what your customer wants. But there's also knowledge that you will gain from reaction with kitchens in restaurants um there's good to be done from all this data what do you think mark well first i'd say our our perspective and policies and approach is identical to what mabin said so i think i could basically just capture all of his comments and say that's how we're approaching it we also through our tools uh provide secure access for lots of third-party providers so for instance if if there's a problem in one of the supermarket stores or in one of the restaurants Many times they want their service provider, which is a third party, to somehow move in and triage that before mm -hmm. they go to the site. So we provide that access through some of the tools as well as the data to analyze. Security, obviously, if you read all the 
the reports from retailers and other people, there's there's lots of issues around most of the consumer credit data and things like that. It's not the realm that we play in, mm -hmm. but it obviously heightens the awareness of security uh, in a significant way for our customers, and we're doing many things, obviously, to address that, make sure our systems are secure, and and make sure that the data and, and access to systems is is protected for right to use based on the customer's uh, mm -hmm. desire. Yeah. So apart from the professional kitchen, are you going to go into the consumer kitchen? Are we going to see our kitchens being connected and having all this stuff, interesting stuff? Well, I can only presume that. I would say probably yes, but we were not going to be involved with that because most of our business is on the commercial side. Mm -hmm. we, we, the one place that we do uh, a lot of work is in residential air conditioning, mm -hmm. but uh, in terms of refrigeration and kitchens, we're not uh, in that part of the business, but I think Mobian has the comment. There. Yeah, so I actually uh, recently made a purchase uh, for a new refrigerator in my house, so this is Mobian as a person talking, uh, and my uh, I'm not going to name the brand name, but the refrigerator came with an Android app. Okay, so now this uh, particular app is just, you know, telling me about the, the temperatures, if somebody left the door open, or, or, you know, a few of those alerts. There was another model that I saw, which was much more expensive, and I didn't purchase it, where the service came bundled with the refrigerator. So what the manufacturer was saying was that if you buy this refrigerator for a period of six years, they will monitor, as uh, similar to what Mark was saying, uh, the, the health of the refrigerator. And if anything went wrong, they would dispatch somebody to come and fix it for you as part of the refrigerator. It was much more expensive. But this starts to see the trends that are happening both on the commercial side but also in our lives of things that we purchase in, inside the home are going to come bundled with services that are going to be monitored through all this data collection that's going to happen. So I think I th you're right I think, on. I think that's the future that we'll be seeing. They're going to be selling us services like Uber and all those. It's just why get a car when you can, yeah. you know, just lend it. Maybe we don't even buy a fridge if there's some <laughs> way or if we can have something cooling us all together, all the houses. I think there's going to be huge changes in our lives. So <clears throat> this is all great, and it sounds wonderful in the U.S., but we're in Europe, okay? Um, I have seen there is a rise of American companies and American visitors here at Mobile World Congress have been coming eight years, and for me, it's a big change. Um, so what is Emerson doing in, in Europe, and what do they hope to accomplish? And I'll ask the same from Mobin for AT&T. Sure. I, I think we've been in Europe for... I don't know, more than 50, 60 years probably with our components. We also have uh, electronics and controls business based in Italy um, and another one based in Denmark, which works on refrigerated shipping uh, containers. And so we have an active presence in Europe. We are starting a similar business or have been in a similar business, uh, kind of starting in Italy first and then moving out because that's where our business is located. But but we're doing the same work for other, other customers, just like I explained to you earlier uh, in Italy. Some of those... Uh, one of them is a restaurant chain in, in uh, Italy, which uh, we've been working with for many years in terms of monitoring and energy efficiency and those types of things. So what is the coverage of with the supermarkets that you mentioned, almost 100% um, in the U.S.? How many supermarkets in Europe do use such intelligence systems? Obviously, Emerson doesn't cover them all, but from your statistics, you obviously have a picture. I'd say there's probably two big differences. One is that most of the supermarkets in Europe are using a number of different systems inside the store. So if you think about the, 
the air conditioning, the lighting, and the refrigeration being the two main equipment systems, those are typically independent in a, in a European store, whereas in the U.S. it's more of a centralized system. So that's a good starting point at least for the monitoring because you have a little bit more consolidation. Uh, secondly, I'd say it's been a little bit slower or the adoption has not happened as quickly in Europe. I think you have to look at different countries though because some, some are more advanced than others in terms of how they're adopting this, but I think we're, we're talking to people in many countries across Europe daily and it's, the interest is really starting to, to grow here in Europe. Is it, does, does the thing, same thing apply for Russia? Are you in Russia? Do you have any picture from there? Yes, we are in Russia, and mm -hmm. the same things are happening there. Uh -huh, okay. So, Mobin, your take on it? Yeah, so uh, we are very big in Europe. Uh, we have uh, offices uh, in different parts of Europe here, and we work uh, with a lot of the largest enterprises here in Europe. And they're very much in line with what's happening in the U.S. as well. Uh, if you look at, for example, the manufacturing industry, um, companies that build small or large equipment are all working towards making their equipment smarter because they ship this, that equipment all around the world. They may manufacture it here in Europe or design it here in Europe, but they ship it all over the world. So if it's a tractor manufacturer or a lighting manufacturer or an oil equipment manufacturer, they all want monitoring and diagnostics in real time, which means they want to embed connectivity and, and smarts to collect data into those uh, those um, uh, equipment pieces of equipment that they're building. So yes, we're working with with many of these companies to embed uh, smarts so that they can do predictive maintenance, predictive diagnostics, alarm monitoring kind of services as part of the the things they manufacture. We see a strong trend in Europe. Okay, so my last question to wrap it up is: I'm going to ask you as professionals who have vast experience in your fields, but in general in IT, what do you see the future of our sector? And when I say future, I just mean the next two years. We really can't go, uh, like, I'm not going to talk about will AI take over or the singularity or whatever. I just want you to tell me what do you think two years down the line we'll see here in Mobile World Congress, what the trends will be, what will have changed in our lives. Mark. That's a pretty vast question, Vicky. <laughs> this is my first time to Mobile World Congress. Uh, I'm not sure I can answer it in that grand of scale, but I think in our particular business, probably the things that are advancing most quickly, and in the future I think is more in six-month increments at this point, uh, it's really around the styles of connectivity, and then probably the software layer just above those styles of connectivity and how people are connecting and managing the vast connections. Because if you think about uh, industrial equipment or more commercial equipment, Really, there's a lot to do with the installed base, mm -hmm. and people are not going to immediately buy a lot of new things just to get this type of uh, you know, functionality into their business. And so we have a lot to deal with of all the equipment which has already been installed, which maybe at the time hasn't had the thinking behind how do I connect it and exchange data. So a lot of work with integration and those types of things. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll build on what Mark was saying in, in a sense that, and maybe generalize it a little bit. Um, Two years down the road, I believe the kind of struggle that Mark has gone through in connecting the products that he's connecting will become a utility. Mm -hmm. Almost every product out there will come with some sort of a connectivity. And it's and what the, the manufacturers and service engineers will be thinking about is not how to collect data, but how best to use that data. I think that's you'll, that, that change is occurring, but it will become a, a norm where every television or dishwasher or car or home or turbine you buy is going to come with data streaming out of them in some shape or form, and you'll have many applications 
for people who service them, people who use them, people who sell them, people who insure them will have access to that data. And, and that would change a lot of things in the way we, we buy, purchase, procure, and, and, and service these assets. I agree, but I want to complete just something on my question, and then Mark, you will tell me more. Um, one of the biggest changes I've seen in Mobile World Congress, I don't know, Mobin, how many years have you Three been years. coming? Three I'm years. Three okay, years. Mark's is first time. So one of the big things I've seen change this year is it's all about enterprises. Up to now, and I'm talking as media, there was a whole hype, and there still is, around startups, B2C, that kind of stuff. Now the, conversa the conversation has completely shifted, and it's all about what are enterprises. They've got the big money, obviously, and they can make things happen. But it's now, in my mind, the whole thing is maturing, and we're down to serious conversations. What do you think, Mark? I think I agree with your point. We've been in it for a while, but I think we can see a lot more activity in it. Uh, I agree. Also, I wanted to make a comment off of Mabin's uh, comments, which I think kind of is a little bit of a snapshot of the relationship we have, because when we started 10 years ago, all these technologies were not available. We had to build a complete end-to-end -end technology stack to do what we wanted to mm -hmm. do, which we have a lot of our domain experts focused on infrastructure, which is not valuable to us. Mm -hmm. We need our domain experts focused on how to help customers do those types of things. And so that's what really brought us together in a very strong way not only for the data connectivity, but, but some of the software solutions which can you know, put the power of AT&T's mm -hmm. uh, vision or other people's vision across many industries to help you know, generate and develop and, and advance that in a very fast way versus if you have a singular industry focus, it's very hard to do that, especially mm -hmm. for a technology. So that, that's what kind of brought us together and is, and is really the, you know, the roots of our, our relationship at this point. That makes sense. The relation, I, I understand it. Uh, and that just prompted uh, another question in my mind that I want to ask you, Mark. Um, so obviously, yes, you want to concentrate on your own clients and telling them how to use this. But down to earth, how do you do that? Do, do they understand what you're doing? Or is it just like, don't worry, it, it, it will, the, the fridge will tell you if something's going wrong. Do they actually know? Is the future going to be that? Are you going to give control to your clients? Or is it going to be seamless? Like, don't worry about it. You'll just get a notification on your mobile when you're at home resting that your fridge went off. But you don't even have to go there. You'll just restart it. Is, can you just tell me how consumers uh, react? Well, my view is not really a consumer view. I, I think to a point uh, you're correct there with that. With that thought process, yeah. I think probably you've hit on one of my my big uh, soapbox points about the whole Internet of Things connectivity and that lots of engineers find very interesting ways to connect things and get data and make reports. That's really of no value. The value is solving a problem for someone. And I think you touched on that specifically. How you know? So I think the customers get it because you're actually solving one of their problems. If you just overload them with a bunch of data and some fancy interfaces that, hey, we connected to your machine and you can see these 50 data points, who cares? Yeah. What does it do for me tomorrow to make my, yeah. my energy efficiency better, my maintenance lower, my operation better, my service to my customers better? I mean, that really we're trying to focus around bringing that value to customers. If you can solve the problem, then the rest of it actually becomes pretty, you know, pretty scientific. You just get it done. And yeah. so I think that's, that's the big thing. Yeah, I, I would add on to say, you know, if you go back uh, maybe six, seven years and when we got our first mobile phones that were smartphones um, and, and we, we started to download apps on them, 
it changed our lives, both as consumers, as an enterprise workers. Uh, but it didn't happen all of a sudden. The first websites on mobiles were very kludgy, were, were not very hard to read, not very functional. But then over time, we figured out how to best use those mobile phones to be better workers, better consumers, uh, have more efficiencies. I think that same thing is going to happen in Internet of Things, and perhaps it's going to happen much faster than it even happened in the mobile world, which is the first uh, iterations of applications are just alerts. Just tell me what's going on, and I'll take a manual action. Now that they are starting to collect this data, we see that in some of our customers that are much more advanced and have been running these kind of systems for a couple of years, they're coming up with creative ideas. How can I change my behavior, to your point, in my enterprise to, make, to take better advantage of this? How do I change my process? How do I change my systems to take advantage? Maybe I can uh, give some more um, power to the machine, if you will, or the cloud to go do th repairs on its own, download a new piece of software by itself. So a lot of that is starting to happen, and we'll see a big change in that. Uh, over the next two to three years. So you're talking about user experience. That's that what I understand. And I do see that shift that now we finally understand that's the bottom line. If you don't, if you don't create a product with good user experience, yeah. seamless, not worry about it, yeah. you haven't done anything. I, I can give you just some practical numbers maybe to help you. It's, it's a little outside of user experience, but I told you that we receive 30 million alarms per year. Mm -hmm. Our algorithms and filtering systems take that down to basically 2 million actionable events. So you've gone from 30 million to 2 million just because of software. Now that's done in conjunction with our customers to say, what do you want, what do you don't want? But if you just took the stream of alarms, yeah. you'd have 30 million alarms versus two. Then we have a group of technicians which take that 2 million down to 1 million, which actually need someone to dispatch. So if you can think about, Every time if I got a refrigeration alarm, if I sent someone to go do something with it, that would happen 30 million times maybe. Yeah. If I filtered it down but didn't triage it, that would happen 2 million times. And if I triage it, it happens 1 million times. So you can see how it really starts to focus and get the attention and priority yeah. on those things which need to be addressed immediately without you know, having a lot of extra work involved. Okay, makes sense. When you put it in those kind of vast numbers, obviously you get the economy scale. So to wrap it up, that's my last question to both of you. What didn't I ask you, Mark, and you would like to uh, point out in this conversation? Uh, I think actually your questions were pretty on point, and I think we covered most of what I had in mind. I think uh, from our perspective, we're covering a number of different applications, and we see this uh, expanding rapidly, and we appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Moby? Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, I think uh, the only thing I would say is that the, it's very exciting times in the technology industry, especially in the communications industry, industrial internet, uh, uh, internet of things. Um, and uh, I think the best of this is yet to come. Um, I liked your closing uh, uh, argument because um, we're sort of the same age here and we've known the world without all these things. We know, we've known the world without computers. So I think we live in very exciting times and sometimes history will write about us. We were the people that we used to buy computers. Mine was an Amstrad. I, I guess yours probably was the same around there. So it's just whether yours was with a disc or a cassette or whatever. Um, but we were the people that used to fix our own computers. We knew how to connect a motherboard. I, I actually did that too. Uh, and then somebody told me something interesting. He said, um, the new generation with the laptops, they, they don't care about the hardware. It's all about the software and the services. So thank you very much for being with us. Thank you very much.
Thank you. Okay, this is Vicky Colovo, and I had a very interesting uh, conversation with Mark Dunson from Emerson Climate and Mobin Khan from AT&T. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.